Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode originally aired as part of the History Podcasters Network collage show. So if you'd like to hear more from the collage episodes, please visit historypodcasters.com and hear more history podcasters like this one. Thanks and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow and with me here is Pete Coleman. Today we're going to talk about an alchemist from Germany and his name was Hennig Brandt. He lived from 1630 to either 1692 or 1710 and he was a merchant and alchemist and from Hamburg, Germany. And he discovered, or I'd say he's most famous for discovering phosphorus around 1669. So not too much is known about his life, Travis. Uh, he, may, he may have been an apprentice classmaker as a very young man, which would have helped him in his future career uh, in the lab as an alchemist. Well, this kind of gives you a, a better idea that he probably started with humble beginnings. But correspondence by his second wife, Margarita, uh, states that he was about you know, high social standing. I mean, he was in that kind of stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was known about that is that he held a post as a junior army officer during the Thirty Years' War. And his first wife's dowry was uh, pretty substantial, allowing him to pursue alchemy and uh, after leaving the, uh, the uh, army during the Thirty Years' War. Uh, he was one of the many searchers for the Philosopher's Stone, a substance which, of course, purportedly transformed base metals like lead into gold. By this time, his first wife died. Uh, he had exhausted all her money on this very pursuit. It takes money to make money, right? Absolutely. So, you know, what did he do? He just married again. So his second wife, like you said, Margarita, was a healthy widow whose financial resources allowed him to continue his search for the Philosopher's Stone. Like many before him, he was interested in water and tried combining it with various other materials. You know, he did this, you know, in a, in a lab setting, you know, with hundreds of combinations. He had seen, for instance, a recipe in a book. It's called, okay, it's, it's German. It's 400 Auslesene Chemische Prozess. You like that? Wow, pretty impressive. It's, yeah, it's 400 Selected Chemical Processes by F.T. Kessler in, of Strasbourg. And the, the recipe was for alum, saltpeter, which is potassium nitrate, and concentrated urine to turn base metals into silver. Okay, hold on, hold on a second. Concentrated urine? Uh-huh. And by the way, that, it didn't work, that specific okay. recipe. Wow. But so he's already on a certain path here, let's say. And around 1669, he heated residues from boiled-down urine. The reason let me let me stop just for a second. The reason we're doing this podcast because we got asked about this a lot, and the, and they ask me anything on Reddit, for instance, or, or just listener feedback. Uh, so people had heard of some guy that either burned, his, you know, distilled his own urine or distilled other urine. Probably should have said that at, at the beginning. But so here we are in the middle of boiling down urine. So he boiled down ur- urine until the retort was red hot, where all of a sudden, kind of glowing fumes filled it, filled the retort, and this liquid dripped out which burst into flames. He could catch that liquid in a jar and cover it, where it solidified and continued to give off like a pale green glow. 
And what he collected was phosphorus, which, you know, what we now know, and which he named from the Greek, wor- Greek word for light-bearing or light-bearer. So why was he doing this, actually? Well, you know, that's, I, I would probably ask that myself. And, yeah. and, and, and as we talked about before in other podcasts, Travis, um, the, the, the feeling of being in a room with an alchemist of this era is probably not a very pleasant experience. It's hot. It st- smells. And add urine to the mix, uh, I probably would want, not want to be there. Could be a step up from sulfur. It, might, pro- it might be a step up from sulfur, but it, it probably was a pretty uh, rough experience. Well, you know, he heated this urine uh, with, with, a, with sand to make gold. Uh, the old doctrine of signatures gave this crazy experiment sort of an alch- alchemical sense. Urine and sand are both yellow, and gold is yellow too, so you can kind of follow along with that kind of method, method of thought. Phosphorus must be... Uh, have been very awe-inspiring to an alchemist when you first think about it. It was a product of man and seemingly to glow with a, a life force, if you will, that uh, did not diminish over time. It did not need re-exposure to light like previously discovered um, Bologna stone. Brandt kept his uh, discoveries very secret, as alchemists of the, of the time did quite often, and worked with the phosphorus trying to unsuccessfully use it to produce gold. Yeah, so let me break down this recipe a little bit further because it is it is pretty interesting. I mean, this this was science, you know, way back in uh, sixteen sixty nine. So his recipe was actually. In case you want to try this at home, feel free. I, I would really. I, I would recommend. <laughs> hey, hold on. We've got a lot of upset wives. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you want to try this at home, maybe talk to your Honey, significant you, other about this. What did you do to my pot in the kitchen? Yeah. Uh, just, uh, all right, boy. so. You boil your urine to reduce it to a thick syrup. Then you heat until a red oil distills up from it and draw that off. Allow the remainder to cool, where it consists of black, spongy upper part and salty lower part. Okay, hold on. I'm writing this down. Okay. <laughs> okay. And now here's, here's where he went off. So in case you want to do a better job than he did, you then discard the salt, mix the red oil back into the black material, Okay, and then you heat that mixture strongly for 16 hours. So at first, like, white fumes come off, then an oil, and then phosphorus. And then the phosphorus may be passed into cold water to kind of solidify it. The chemical reaction, to break that down a little further, was urine contains phosphates uh, as basically a sodium phosphate and various kind of carbon-based organics. And under strong heat, the oxygens from the phosphate react with carbon to produce carbon monoxide, leaving phosphorus, just the element, phosphorus, um, which at that point comes off as gas. Now, phosphorus condenses to a liquid somewhere around 280 degrees centigrade, then it solidifies to basically white phosphorus at about 44 degrees, okay, depending on the purity. And the same essential reaction, like basically, you know, unchanged is still used today, but you use mined phosphate ores and coke for carbon and electric furnaces, so not urine that already has carbon organic materials and, you know, um, electric furnaces instead of whatever he was using. Now, here's the thing. When I mentioned that he went wrong at one step, his process yielded far less phosphorus than it could have. The salt part that he threw away contained most of the phosphate. So he used about, okay, get this, he used about 5,500 liters of urine. Let, let that uh, sink I, can't, in. I can't wrap my head around that. Let that Five, sink in for a minute. Five, 
8,500 liters. Barrels of urine to produce just 120 grams of phosphorus. If he had ground up the entire residue, he could have gotten like many, many times that. So like basically one liter of adult human urine contains about 1.4 grams. So he actually would have gotten like what, seven, 8,000 grams instead of 140 grams. So um, he bought a lot of urine unnecessarily. Anyways, let's, let's get off of that. <laughs> he kept his method secret, um, but in, 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 in 1680, Robert Boyle published a recipe for making phosphorus by heating urine with sand. So, and that's interesting because so Robert Boyle was thinking the same way, you know, trying to do kind of the similar things and probably to make gold as well. Well, this makes, this makes sense. This, this crosses, I think, a lot of different belief systems with when you talk about the, the giant umbrella that covers alchemy as it is. You have a lot of people that will go through the science aspect of things, and then you also have some other uh, camps within alchemy that want to talk about the, maybe the metaphysical or, or the, the, the type of spiritual connection. And we mentioned this before. Brandt was looking at this in this kind of light, a science endeavor as well as saying, well, it comes from a person. So maybe they we're talking about the, maybe the, the inner sort, sort of uh, elements that could bring forth the idea of gold. It was, yeah, like a man-made quintessence. Kind yeah, of exactly. Idea. So I, I think that there's a combination here that I think draws a lot of people uh, and from different ideas of alchemy into one tent, under one tent. Yeah, I think this was a good alchemist to get people a taste of what alchemists were all about. And um, if you'd like to hear more, stop on by historyofalchemy.com and... Thank you very much for listening. Thanks. You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman. For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast all about the Czech Republic, Bohemican, which is also available on iTunes or on Bohemican.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.